Hey, this is Ramon Ray of Smart Hustle Report on Small Business Trends. Thank you all for joining us today. Chad, thanks for taking the time to uh, join us to talk about urban agriculture and really about starting and growing a business. I appreciate your time today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Ramon. Yeah, so Chad, before we begin, just tell us a little bit about the urban, urban agriculture company, I think it was. Tell us the full name and proper name of the business, your full name, and, uh, and the website, a little bit about what you guys do as we talk about your business, how you got started, how you're growing, and some tips for small business owners in particular about technology. And I know Microsoft is helping you guys quite a bit with some technology. So why don't you give us a little intro to yourself? A little intro to myself. All right. Uh, well, my full name is Chad Corzine. Uh, the company name is the Urban Agriculture Company. Uh, our, web, our website is www.urban-agriculture.net. And I guess what we do as a core competency as, of a company is uh, we manufacture growable gardening gifts. So we kind of set out to accomplish the goal of making gardening easy and accessible for people that live in urban environments. And this all kind of stemmed from a personal experience that I had as a uh, 28-year-old kid trying to grow a garden on my balcony in Santa Monica and failing time and time again because I had no horticultural experience and I was kind of overwhelmed at the options on the market. If you were to Google apartment gardening right now, I mean, you'd get anything from vertical planters to hydroponic systems, um, you know, indoor, outdoor. There's a lot of stuff out there, but it was it was just taxing to kind of wade through what would work for me, what wouldn't, and uh, costly at that uh, so after a few failed gardening experiences, I stumbled across something that's called a grow kit. Uh, you know, our company did not invent the grow kit. We just reinvented it, in my opinion. And the, the grow and, kit and you know, Chad, as Damon John says, Chad, oftentimes there's not a brand new idea. It's making a current idea better. So nothing wrong with that. Hey, I'll take it, right? Um, and um, what a grow kit is is simply it's uh, kind of a one-stop shop to – being able to grow a plant or a flower or a vegetable. And what I found when I was Googling all types of grow kits about two and a half years ago, there was two things on the market. There was a hydroponic system that's like a self-watering um, mason jar by a company that's called Modern Sprout. I love them to death. Uh, I'm very good friends with them. I think they make a phenomenal product. And uh, there was a plant in a bag. And there was a few companies making these plants in a bag, and I gravitated that way because I really wanted to get the experience of getting, getting my hands dirty, healing the soil, growing an organic vegetable, growing some cooking herbs in my home. And the idea seemed perfect. You know? So I went and I ordered all these plants, plants in a bag and got into my house, and everything was working and chugging along swimmingly. Uh, you get it, you open the plant in the bag, you take out the soil medium, you take out the seeds, you replant it in the bag, and you put it on your kitchen counter or windowsill. The problem that I was facing was that all of these were essentially just seed starters. So about three to four weeks after your seeds germinated and it starts to grow, uh, you would have to then transplant the seed into a larger pot of soil for it to live its entire lifespan. And that's really where I hit. would know that, of course, until they got it. So you knowing that, they, that you would, they wouldn't know the disappointment, but you've seen that pain already. So go ahead, huh? Exactly. So, I, and this is where I hit my roadblock. It's say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a gardener. I have no gardening experience. I have a product development background. So we, uh, I kept killing the plants. I, I went to Home Depot and I bought a big pot of soil and I bought a big pot or a big bag of soil. I bought a big pot and, and I would try to transfer my little live seedlings into this, this ugly green pot. And I just kept killing plant after plant after plant after plant. And that's when it kind of struck me. Oh, the problem is I suck at gardening because I got to keep moving the plants. 
so that's when it, the light bulb went off to say, hey, maybe we could come up with something that you didn't have to move. And I went and searched the Internet, and there really wasn't anything out there that was completely organic, non-GMO, and recycled that offered that true gardening experience if for an affordable price that I could do in my apartment. So that's really where the idea started, and that was probably oh, July, August 2015. And so we started, I started doing a little research into it, and uh, the reason that it doesn't exist is because there's not a lot of companies in the United States that will make soil in these small-sized bags. If you think about it, uh, you walk down the soil aisle at a Home Depot or a Lowe's, all the large bags, five, you know, three cubic feet, five cubic feet, they're only six, seven dollars a piece. Uh, so right. we needed a very, a very small bag of soil that for a large company like Scott's or, or, a, or a mainstream soil manufacturer wouldn't really exactly be a profitable product to make at retail because they'd have to sell them for so cheap. I assume they'd have no margin. Uh, so I kind of scoured around the organic soil mart scene, if you want to call it that, in California and found the gentleman that can make us the bags in the specific size. Uh, he hooked me up with some a company in the Netherlands who could import me some organic slash non-GMO seeds that were coming direct from the source. Uh, and the guys in the Netherlands hooked me up with a company in India uh, that actually takes tea bags out of landfills and recycles them into containers. So when we put... When we put all three of the pieces together, our grow kit was born. So when you purchase an urban agriculture grow kit, what you get is you get a grow container that's made out of 100% recycled tea bags. You have four and a half quarts of organic potting soil. You get a packet of seeds, and then you can grow your plant inside that bag indoors 365 days a year. Uh, They retail at about $17.95. So for under $20, you can experiment with a garden if you'd like. And who's and Chad? This is amazing. And who is your core target audience? Is it is it the hobbyist? Is it the the mom or dad? I know my wife. She loves to grow plants. We live in a small apartment. Who would you say is your top two target audiences? You know, Ramon, that's kind of the irony of how we became what I call an accidental success. Okay. When I came up with the idea, I thought I was my own target audience. So how this would work would be my girlfriend and now fiance. Uh, and I would crack a bottle of wine on Friday night. And we'd make 30, 40 of these things, and we'd go sell them at farmer's markets on the weekends. I had a day job, so this was like my night job weekend hobby, right? And I'm sitting there thinking, all right, every 28-year-old kid in the world is going to want one of these things because it's so easy and it's fun and, you know, right. organic, sustainability, everything's kind of trending up. We were eating healthy in our lives. We wanted to grow our own food. And... After two or three farmer's markets, it, it started to reoccur to me that all of our customers that kept coming back were, and I don't mean this term offensively, but they were all soccer moms. We were doing it in sure, Santa Monica, sure. California, Brentwood. Um, they were all women with a family, 40-plus years old. Um, and finally, it hit me, and I started asking the, the repeats, well, why are you buying four this week? Why are you buying six this week? And so a lady told me, hey, these are hostess gifts. This is, these are going to all my kids' teachers. Mm. Uh, I take them to dinner parties, housewarming gifts. And, I, and they, they use them too because you're describing my, my wife. I mean, again, we, you know, sometimes we shy away from stereotypes and et cetera. But I think on the other hand, there are certain demographics. A guy mm-hmm. with a shaved head and a barrel chest and a tattoo, he's probably, and generally speaking, a different demographic <laughs> than a 16-year-old female 
with a pink teddy bear. That's just a fact. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure I'll get blamed for this comment. But listen, <laughs> we, we, we look often, all the time, not all the time, of course not, but we often look as we are. So, no, I totally get it. My wife, she'd been your demographic, either A, as a gift, or more so she'd want to do much of it herself, you know, because she likes <laughs> plants. She loves planting. I just don't. So I totally get it. So think about the other challenge. Now, tell me if I'm right or not. I like putting my foot in my mouth. A challenge you might have in your business is that, A, you probably have to do a lot of SEO and marketing. If I'm wrong, let me know. But I'd love to talk about the digital aspect if that's part of your plan. And, two, how to showcase the differentiation, especially for a layperson. Am I right on either of those or am I wrong on both? Uh, you're right and wrong. So Okay. Uh, I'll kind of walk you through what the next phase was and what we did. So after I realized that I had totally took a, a swing and a miss at my demo, but I found a new one, and the light bulb went on to, great, we just created a gift product. And um, right. the, irony, the irony is I've been working in the gift industry for about five years, so I should have figured this out from day one. Good for you. It's a good um, start. Uh, so what I did was say, okay, I didn't want to create and launch a company around something that, I wouldn't use myself. I use our products. And then I thought about, all right, if I'm going to use them, would, would people of my age or you call millennials gravitate towards this? Because I hadn't really tested the waters with that. So we did a Kickstarter campaign. This was in 2015 uh, before, you know, it, it was like at the height of the Kickstarter era. And I just, and want to underline that I just want to underline that Kickstarter, ladies and gentlemen, is a great way to start things on Shark Tank. You hear many of the successful entrepreneurs say, we tested it first on Shark Tank, uh, on, on Kickstarter, which is, of course, a crowdsourced platform that if you wanted, you know, $10,000 and you got 50000 that means something. If you wanted $10,000 and you only got five hundred, it means something. So just to underline that, Kickstarter is a great platform not only for sales but to experiment. So please continue. Exactly, and, that, and that's what we use it for, Ramo. We, we said, all right, this is, this is going to be the, what we'll use as our, our millennial test market. If we could we go raise five thousand dollars selling seven dollars grow kids? Could this happen? And if it does, that means we have a less of an inclination that people, uh, you know, in our demo are going to like it as well. So we put this little video together and put it out there to the world. And Kickstarter is an emotional roller coaster day. You know, when you get a sale, your heart flutters. You don't get a sale one day, you're just in the gutter. It, it, it's an up, up and down experience, but we ended up getting funded. Now, it wasn't a tremendous amount of money. I think it was like six or $7,000, but it was enough for us to take all of that and invest it into inventory. So what we did is we took our Kickstarter money and we went to the guys overseas with the bags and the seed guy and the soil guy, and I figured out how much I could buy. And we bought enough kits to make about I think about 575 was the number, not give or take. Don't hold me to that. And I had done this for about six weeks at farmer's markets and street fairs. So I'd clocked out the labor that um, Anna, who's my fiance, and I could do in our apartment and realized we couldn't make enough of these for what the next step of our, our call it test period was. So we got a keg. I know it sounds funny, but I was 28. We got a keg, and I invited all my college buddies over, and we had an assembly party. And I said, everyone can have free wow. beer if you, wow. all, if, you can, if you can all make me 50 kits. So here we are with all my college buddies in an apartment making all these kits, and we loaded them into a U-Haul and went to the Pasadena swap meet. Uh, it is the third Sunday of every month. This was November 2015. And, you know, I've been doing trade shows in my previous job for a while, so merchandising right. was kind of a, a natural fit for me. So we set up this little booth, and we 
put it out there during gifting season, like prime gifting season, November 20th. People are right in the mood. It's before Thanksgiving. Um, we sold out in about three hours, full retail, 17 bucks. Wow. Sold wow. out 500 of them. And then just went and shopped a little bit at the Rose Bowl. And I, I came back and quit my job the following Monday. So the next day I, I, I left the company I was at and got a meeting with a few guys who are now my business partners because I was 28 and broke and had no money in my account. So I had to figure out how we were going to fund it and uh-huh. put a little business plan together, raise some minimal funding uh, and launch this thing. And, and where did that uh, funding yeah. come from, by the way, if you can share? Was that friends and family, mom or dad or somebody, or was that like outside some it, big moat at Zip Davis or something? It was two two private investors who are now okay. um, now my 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 business partners. Very um, nice. okay, good. So, yeah, so it's private money, and uh, it wasn't it, it it was a very minimal amount. But you know, I said if you put I'll put up my life savings. You guys can help me get the rest of it. Here's how much I think we need. Uh, I went out in my current network because I had been working in the gift industry, and was fortunate enough to have a unique product that no one had seen before. So. By January 1st, we had hired 92 independent contractors around the country to help us get this thing going. So I did – I left awesome. What second. do the independent contractors do? What, what was their role? What do they have to do? So they run our mom-and-pop business for us. So, um, you know, they each have a, a regional territory, and they go store-to-store, store and they help us open up new accounts in, in areas <laughs> where I wouldn't have the time or energy to get there. And how did you find them? How did you expand that so fast? Are there, are there companies you can just like hire and say, hey, I need reps around the country? Or is that, that pretty much yes. up, or you just to go one boat? Okay, got it. So you, you can yes, just, in, uh, the, in, the, in the gift, uh, consumer, consumer goods gift arena, as I call it, uh, the, that's, that's the main distribution model is, you know, you hire a company and they have a, a rep force of 30 or a rep force of 50. And they carry, you know, they, we have one company that handles the Southeast for us, one that handles the Midwest for us, one that handles the West Coast for us. Uh, and then I deal with their um, principals and their sales managers that help me run those road forces. So that, so we started that and we threw it out against the wall. Um, I did four and a half weeks straight on the road and I did the Atlanta trade show, the Dallas trade show, the Las Vegas trade show, the Seattle show, the Las, the, L, the LA show and the New York trade show. So I lived out of a suitcase and a motel six for the first four four weeks that we had the company going right, right. Um, we had never done a production run and we left that trade show season with about a thousand customers um, wow and, and over i don't know i think we had like almost a half million dollars of orders in our pocket at that time and, and your business figure, is one that people are going to repeat buy correct it's not one that they buy once but once somebody becomes a customer i'm sure you have numbers x amount of those people will buy again is that correct Surely, yes. We are a consumable product, uh, much like nice. a candle if you wanted to compare it to something like that. Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you know, we, we, the only guarantee we give you is that your plant is going to die. You know, these aren't magic beans. It's oil <laughs> and seeds. So once you grow it and cultivate it, it doesn't live forever. So you will have to replant it. Uh, we provide mm-hmm. enough seeds for our customers to replant about four or five times. Um, and, and a lot of, you know, statistically, we have many repeat customers. But one of the big things that we went out to achieve was just to offer the novice gardener the opportunity to try it. So we hope that you're not only buying our products, but you're getting into a more sustainable lifestyle. Uh, you're out there exploring other organic options for different solutions in your life. Uh, so it's kind of a little, it's a little more big picture than we hope to sell millions of grow kits. You know, we also have a, a company mantra that that's something we're going after. So 
Got you know, flash, amazing. Flash for, oh, sorry. No, I said I said it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, so we, so we, uh, flash forward one year, uh, we go from a six by six uh, closet in one of the investors' warehouses uh, with one employee to end of 2016. We're in about 3,600 storefronts all over the country. We deal with everyone from Nordstrom's, Williams Sonoma, and Anthropology down to Hallmark stores to your mom and pop. Uh, gift shop around the corner from anyone's home uh we had um it started with myself and then my number two who i'm sitting here looking at um named valerie uh who uh maybe helped me get this (laughs) remote says hi valerie (laughs) um who got this up and running Uh, and our original business model was we were going to outsource everything so we'd run a sales office we'd outsource all the production do a 3pl they'd handle our invoicing. And it was, you know, I had no experience running a business before I'd only either designed a product or sold a product. Uh, so prior to, you know, I have a little bit of an accounting background, but I remember sitting down on December 29th with my good friend, who's my, our accountant now saying, could you please run me through what a P&L and a balance sheet look like again? I haven't seen one in six years. Uh, so I didn't really think, by the way, I went to the same <laughs> thing to train myself in, in finance and things like that. It's hard, you know? So we we really just thought we were going to run this sales side. And business is booming. Everyone likes our product. It's hot. Uh, sell-throughs are great. Reorders are great. And then June 2016 hit, uh, and we had a QC problem where our third-party manufacturer and shipping person uh, mm. had a QC air come through on soil. So and QC getting, is quality call, control. For those who don't yeah. know, quality control. How did you know that error? Did a customer call you at like three in the morning and say their house was burning, or you just saw that on your own? How did that? How did you know about that problem? I, I had okay. <laughs> hundreds of customers call me because they didn't oh. check the soil, and they were sending out soil that had contaminated. Uh, it was contaminated with mat eggs. So retailers were coming into their stores and there were bugs flying all over the stores that were coming out of our kits. And we must wow. have sent out our, our first year probably fifteen to 20,000 bad units. So, and how did you solve that, by the way? You had all these retailers mad at you, pissed at you, some you hadn't had trust with them. How did you get over that hump and getting them to trust you again? I like to tell people that is the best thing that ever happened in my business. And people look at me like I'm a crazy man when I hear that. But it forced me as the owner of the company to get on a phone or get on a plane or get in the car and go talk to my customers. I explained to them how it happened. I explained to them how I solved it. But you would be shocked at the amount of, you know, or, or at the rapport you can quickly build with a customer, at least in our world, as the owner of a startup, if you just go put yourself out there and you're honest with them and just say, we screwed up, we fixed it, we'll take them back, we'll replace them. But I was able to develop personal relationships, not just with our key account customers, not just the Targets and the Nordstroms, uh, but, you know, Mary Sue, who owns a small little gift shop in Iowa, uh, who doesn't get the owner of a customer who cares enough to pick up the phone and call her. So I right, spent right. a relentless amount of time calling every individual customer and making sure we took care of the goods, replaced the goods, and, and talk to them about it. Talk to them about our growing pains. And, you know, uh, 40%, I don't know, 60% of our business probably is small stores. They're business owners. They understand right, stuff right. happens. And they just right. want to be taken care of. So right. after that situation hit, 
we kind of had to do a stop, drop, and roll. And so I was 29 at the time. Mm. And I said, I sat down with our partners and just said, we can't do it this way. We need, we're going to grow this company the way we want it to. We're going to need to do it in house. So Valerie and I opened a warehouse and we started with 2000 square feet and, and I don't know, five people. Mm -hmm. Um, and just got back up and running. And by the end of 16, we had about 20 employees. Um, and this now we're in about 8,000 square feet. And we go anywhere from 25 to 55, uh, depending wow. on the flex we need in our warehouse with uh, labor. And if you're comfortable, if you, don't, if you prefer not, um, what the employee size you have now and revenue range. And if you don't want to share it you know, on, the, on the podcast, that's fine. But if you can share, that'd be great. Um, so uh, employee size always changes because we, we are mainly staffed in our labor in our warehouse because of labor, and that goes off demand. And because we're relatively seasonal with our gift, you know, it goes up during Q1 and Q4, and then we have slumps in the middle. So that's why I give that ballpark range because it really depends on what we're doing. Um, but full-time, I think we'll have on staff 20, and then it goes – you know, if we get an order for 60,000 units, we got to bring in and open up five more production lines. You know, that's when we start hitting those 30, 40, 50 people in the warehouse. Uh, awesome. Revenue, revenue wise, we did, you know, we, we surpassed seven, seven figures in, in sales our first year and we grew by a hundred, we, we grew by 130% uh, year two. So we're coming out of 2017 with that type of growth. And then uh, we're projected to grow about another 140% next year. Congratulations. So proud of you guys. Um, so, Chad, if you had to summarize, I mean, our conversation, we've talked about, you know, taking things in-house for quality control. We've talked about Kickstarter, you know, just testing kind of things. We've talked about, you know, of course, how things start out of our own need. So many different gems we found. Oh, one other thing before I get to some key points and challenges you face is that can you share with me a bit about your marketing? I think I get it, meaning it seems you have reps who go to stores, and it seems a big part of it is found in retail stores, which makes sense. You know, people come in there and see it. Anything else on the marketing side that you guys are doing to build your company that stands out, you know, that you can share with us? Uh, you know, I, I like to say that I'm just technologically behind the rest of my generation because, uh, you know, I, w I would be thrilled to say that we had an amazing Facebook marketing plan and, and our marketing strategies are intense and good. And really, we just haven't had the time or know-how how to really put together a great marketing plan. It's one of our biggest things for 2018 uh, is to get that hammered down. We've just been lucky enough to float through partnerships with Microsoft and Oprah and some other, you know, Magnolia Market and some other really well-known people that helped us get our brand out there quickly. Um, it, is, it is a focus of ours next year to, I like to say, go from startup to grown-up and really put together a marketing department and get out there and start, start going after uh, SEO and some other stuff you mentioned earlier. But honestly, it's been word of mouth up to this point. Uh, we invest very little money in marketing, maybe some print ads every once in a while. But uh, right. we've been we, we've focused our business on growing our B2B for the first two years. And as we start marketing towards the direct-to-consumer side in 2018, uh, you know, our plans will change and how we allocate and, and, and run marketing will be very differently. Yeah, and, and I'm going to translate what I heard because I'm very good at translating, Chad. What I heard you say is, so we're not good at digital marketing. 
you know, Facebook, we can't even spell Twitter. By the way, Chad, it's T-W-I-T-T-E-R dot <laughs> com, C-O-M. How, you know, all we could do was get Oprah to give us attention and work with a billion-dollar company like Microsoft, but you know what? We're slackers. That's what I heard uh, you say. Um, so <laughs> that's fantastic, those two names. So no, I get uh, it totally. I, <laughs> but I, would, I to, would love to be able to fight you on that one, but I can't. It, you know, it's, yeah, you're, it's just say thank just, you. Thank you. Uh, you know, when, when, you're, when you're scaling a business, you only got 24 hours in the day and you can't do it all. And so when I look at this time allocation for, for year right. one, year two, the, well, B2B is our focus and we're going to focus everything we can on the B2B business and get this thing up and running. And then let's sit back, have the cash flow to do it, and put in a proper marketing plan. Um, you know, we, that, but yes, on that side, big slackers, uh, but we'll get there this year. <laughs> got it, got it. And so, Chad, if you had to summarize kind of your growth, again, you could probably write a whole book on this, but what would you, uh, what would you summarize as been some of the key uh, strategies of your success and any key challenges, you know, kind of um, if you were advising businesses, especially not necessarily in the business you're in, agriculture per se, but actually it's really in the gifting business and retail, but just summarize for us what are, I guess my question is, what are the two or three things, Chad, you would say, Ramon, Here's been the key to our success, our Chad success, the three things, two things, a one big thing that you'd want to tell business owners as we kind of summarize this amazing story and conversation. Uh, well, I would say people first. You know, I couldn't say it's Chad's success because I don't do anything on my own. I think we have a pretty phenomenal team here. Um, it's all Valerie. I know. It's all Valerie. Yep. We got Valerie. We got a, got a few more now, uh, but everyone really enjoys working here. Everyone really feels like they're part of a company um, and it, they feel like it's their company. So we got everyone kind of working on the same page, which has been one of the major, major keys to our success uh, right. in the gifting world, particularly um, we got lucky because we stumbled upon what I call like a pet rock. You know, you have to have a competitive advantage or something new to offer the market. Uh, right. You know, it's, there's a thousand candle companies out there. So if we were opening just Chad's candles, I don't think it would have been the same growth trajectory. <laughs> and, uh, and on top of that, it's really, you know, starting a business is hard. It's emotionally taxing, it's physically taxing, and, it, and it's yeah. mindset. You know, we have a very open mind to know that we need to learn from all our mistakes instead of dwelling on them. And, and that has been one of the things. I take the bug example, and like that's, that's how everyone in the company thinks. And people say, oh, wow, that's, that's – the worst thing that could happen. And we all say, no, it's great. We, we got a personal relationship with our customers. Almost 85% of the customers that were affected by that QC issue that we had in 16 are still current customers that buy on average three times a year because we yeah. have a rapport with them. So it's just a matter of, I guess, for in the gift consumer business, it's knowing your customers, personalizing the business, and then just kind of following through on that, on that aspect. Yeah, and I, and I like the fact, Chad, you said about that that was the best thing that happened to you. Of course, while it was going on, I'm sure you and I were saying, great, let there be 10 billion bugs in each store now. <laughs> but, but I totally get it because just, just past recently, I've invested quite a bit of money in a new company uh, that I wanted to launch, thinking it would just rocket and take off. So far, I'm not putting it on, on I, I, you know, I'm not completely stopping it, but so far it hasn't taken off like I thought. But it's the best thing that happened. You know why, Chad? Because I realized it wasn't my strength. It wasn't my core competency. And I should have focused in the new thing I'm doing, which is taking off, if it makes sense what I'm saying. So point is, I totally get it. You invest, things happen, but sometimes it's a blessing in disguise because then you can really 
it gives you a chance to do something that you may not have done. So I totally get it. Um, totally. It's totally kind of it. like I, I had a conversation with my sister when she graduated college about uh, her job, you know, and it's like, I think about it like that. Like, man, you might not know what, what you do want to do, but you got to test the waters to find out what you don't want to do. Um, right. So same thing with growing a business. You, you got to figure out what you're good at and what you're bad at. And if you, if what you're bad at, find someone that's good at it. And it makes life a lot Absolutely. easier. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, Chad, and, and about your role with Microsoft, how was that? Uh, how was using Microsoft Office 365 helped your business? I wasn't sure if you were in a contest with them or you're just, quote, unquote, just a customer who's used their products. I know Office 365, I've used it before. Some of my services are on Office 365. What's been your experience and what was that relationship like? So the Microsoft relationship was it, – it's been an amazing partnership. And, you know, I like to say that we are truly partners. And right. I, uh, before they launched 365 business, um, we had actually demoed it for them for about six months. They were running, they, they were, they were out scouring for scaling startups. Uh, and I had met a gentleman on a plane who, who knew someone at Microsoft and we kept in touch and he called me one day and said, Hey, can you, can you get on the phone? I think your company might be a good fit for this Microsoft. Uh, they're looking for a startup to, to, run a demo with a new product and I mm-hmm. said sure not, not a problem he said can you do it tomorrow and I said absolutely I'm actually in <laughs> Seattle meeting with Nordstrom's could you get me a meeting I'll just go out there so I drove out to Microsoft and within four, four hours three and a half hours I had met their entire team and it was a perfect fit nice. here's what Microsoft, Microsoft 365 business did for us um, as I said earlier technology is not my strong suit but right. it's a necessity to scaling and growing a business securely um, you know, I had just reached a point where we were onboarding and hiring slash firing employees. There's confidential information regarding customers, addresses, credit cards. I knew that I needed to build out a security system on the back end and an infrastructure, but I didn't right. really have the time, money, or know-how, and it was frustrating me. And so when they came along and said, hey, we've actually developed this new product that is for a business to fit your exact criteria and takes every pain point that you've just had and simplifies it into 16 clicks. It was like, uh, yeah, even if you weren't going to let me demo it, I'll buy it when it comes out. This is perfect. Right, so right. we started doing that earlier, the way beginning of this year before they launched. I think that was in February and the product launched this summer uh, for the public. And having them show me how easy it was to use their programs. I mean, in all, in all transparency, I was an Apple guy prior and um, was a little hesitant. And I, when I right. finally got on and bought you all the You Apple TV, guys are like that. You guys, are, yeah, you guys all need to see the light. But go ahead. And once, but once you see it, it's bright, man. Um, and they, <laughs> they, they walked me through how to, how to really set up the back end of my business securely and how I can onboard people quickly, how I can secure my customers' information, my company data, and that stuff I hadn't really figured out and, and I knew I needed to address. So the minute that was taken off my plate and I could get back to focusing on what I needed to do, um, we just started really getting in a groove of growth. And, and, and so I, I really attribute our, our, 17, our 2017 growth to them because they've helped us not only secure our information, but they opened my eyes to some programs that helped us really streamline our communication. And as you know very well, you know, when building a team is, is hard and communication is key. So uh, I'll give you a good example for if you want a specific on how it kind of helped. Please, please, absolutely. 
when we when we really started getting into it and doing big stores, small stores, 100 orders a day, 200 orders a day, um, we had a production sheet and a cash flow sheet, but we had them in an iCloud. So the shipping manager would have to go into the iCloud, download the sheet, fix it, save it back in the iCloud, then I'd go in and I'd look at it, and maybe mm-hmm. it saved right, maybe it didn't save right. And so the time and energy spent to access all the information interdepartmentally was astronomical. And so we, like, we, we work very heavily on Teams right now, uh, Microsoft mm-hmm. Teams, which is one of, the, one of the apps that comes in the bundle. And it allows us to not only access all of the information, all of the documents on one screen, but there's an ongoing chat chat next to it between everyone that's on that team, so all the department heads that are on that team. So now sales, uh, planning, shipping, receiving, customer service, everyone can look at the same information in real time and discuss it in real time. So mm-hmm. if there's a problem, if we have a pain point in the business that we need to address on the short, we can figure it out five times quicker and most of the time before we even get here. So we can address that that day, you know, and right. I've um, fortunately and unfortunately realized there are always going to be struggles throughout the day of growing a business. So if we can figure out what they are before, you know, noon and we can try to address them right away, it makes life a lot easier for us. And then we can kind of keep the truck moving forward. Yeah. And it amazes me, Chad, as a quote unquote, I, I used to say I'm a technologist. That was 20 years ago. Now everybody knows technology, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that, smaller businesses like yours don't know, meaning you did the best you could. Let me upload, download it. That's the best you guys could. I'm thinking, that's duh. But there's millions and millions of small businesses that need help with things like that. So I think it's epic, and I'm glad that Microsoft was able to to show you this technology and help you uh, do it uh, for sure. But, Chad, this has been great, uh, great discussion for me, and uh, and I really appreciate your time today. And, again, the company name is the Urban uh, Agriculture – what's the formal name of the name again? Urban Agriculture what? The Urban Agriculture Company. That's right. Okay, that was simple. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Chad Corzine, uh, founder of the Urban Agriculture Company. Definitely check them out. Uh, and my name is Ramon Ray, and this has been the Smart Hustle Report on Small Business Friends.